Assalamualaikum and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, you know, having read the book, you know, I, you know, I was really emotional. Um, so it was handy to have like, you know, tissues. I think we need to warn people to have tissues mm-hmm. at the ready when you're reading it. Oh, yeah. But for those who haven't read mm-hmm. the book, can you tell us a bit more about it? Okay, so As Long As Lemon Trees Grow is a YA uh, speculative contemporary, and it follows this girl, Salama, who is a pharmacist volunteering at a hospital in Homs. So she sees these civilians and protesters every single day who are injured. And at the same time, she's trying to find a way out of Syria before her pregnant best friend and sister-in-law, Leila, gives birth. And because of everything that she's seeing, she has this PTSD that manifested itself into hallucination that seems a bit too real. And his name is Khauf. And so on top, so because of all of that that is happening, Salama has kind of lost her spark and she can't see the colors in the world anymore. And that is until she meets Kinan, who is a protester who takes videos of the protests. And he shows her that life is still worth living. But the bombs are still falling and Leila's due date is coming near. So she has to make a decision of whether she should stay in her country or leave to a future that may or may not be even or may not happen. Mm. And um, earlier on, we were talking about the title. Mm-hmm. You know, where did you kind of like, where was that inspired from? So the title has two, it came from two places. The first one is an homage to Nizar Qabani's poetry verse, which says, um, uh, every lemon shall bring forth a child and the lemons will never die out. And he wrote this poem for Syria. And there's also a saying that every house in Homs, where the story is based, has a lemon tree. And so these lemons are a symbol of hope, of resistance, of persistence, that they have been growing for centuries and they will still grow despite everything that they have seen. And that's what this book is. Hopefully it is a symbol of hope. And this is your love letter mm-hmm. um, like to Syria. Yes. Tell us a bit more about that and how you've come about to, to writing this. So when the revolution started, I was 16 years old and I felt very helpless. You know, I didn't know how to tell the world about what's going on because I was living back then in the United Arab Emirates and everybody, you know, around me in the Middle East, they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you're not changing anybody's mind. And so when I moved to Switzerland um, in 2017, I started taking German classes in like a German school. Mm -hmm. And so people were asking me when they found out that I'm Syrian and Canadian, they're like, oh, so Syrian, like what is happening in Syria? Because they come from different European countries or from the West. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, oh my God, people don't know. And that's when the story started coming slowly together. So I had read previously Salt to the Sea by Ruta Sepetis, Mm -hmm. and it changed me a lot Mm -hmm. that she was able to make a fictional story inspired by real events that happened during World War II that taught readers about what went on, that Mm -hmm. it was a part of history that's not talked about so much. And that made me research more about the uh, concentration camps in Serbia that I didn't know about, that she wrote about in Between Shades of Grey. And I wanted to do the same thing Mm -hmm. with Syria. And so that's how the story slowly came together, that I wanted it to tell what's going on, but in a story-like way, because, you know, stories, they bring the image closer to readers' minds. Absolutely, absolutely. And having kind of like heard you know, like what's been happening in Syria and what's going on in Syria now. Like, how do you feel being so distant, but then what you're doing is actually you are you are home. Yeah, it's 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 painful, mm. you know, and at the same time, like 
it, it was cathartic to me to write the story. It was it was like this when you have this pain, but you have to like remove it to feel that relief. That's what this book was for me. That it was painful to write, and it made me come to terms with a lot of things that I was trying not to come to terms with it. You know that survivor's guilt thing. Yes. And but after writing it and after crying all the tears because I also cried, readers, not mm -hmm. just you. Mm -hmm. And so I felt you know that like relief that. I'm, I think I'm good now. Like for a bit, I'm good. <laughs> and then, you know, the pain will, I mean, obviously the pain will never go away. Mm -hmm. That guilt doesn't really go away, but it lessened it a bit. So I was remembering Syria and I was sad that I have a life lost, you know, a life was taken from me as well. I can never know my country. I've never lived in Syria and maybe I'll never be able to go back. Mm -hmm. So that was taken from me. That was taken from my siblings as well and from my family. And that's not fair. And so that book, kind of is my, as you said, love letter and my pain written into words. Mm. Were you, I know you've, you've cried, mm -hmm. but were you able to separate that kind of the writer in you and, and that kind of like the emotion? I couldn't. I mean, I was. I say this a lot. I'm like, when I write a first-person POV, I inhabit the body of mm -hmm. the character. So I become the character as I'm writing so I can... I, I would be able to, it's like as if I'm at the, in the hospital and I can see everything that's going on around me and what Salam is doing. Mm -hmm. And then after I'm done, I like exorcism and I get out of the body and then I'm me and I'm like, oh, well, that just happened. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to tap into who I am as a person to be able to write something that I hope is authentic enough. Um, but I, I could not separate my emotions at all, mm -hmm. no. There's an element of like this kind of like halal love story mm. going on in there which is fantastic to see because mm. you know love stories are obviously yeah. like the mainstream construct is mm -hmm. very kind of like different um tell us a bit more about like you know what you feel like you know writing something like that and about representation as yeah. well so when i started writing it it was in 2017 and i had never read a halal love story before um, there was skle's love from a to z but that still wasn't out and so i had no blueprint on what to do so i messed up a lot at the beginning i'm like is this, is this too, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, is it working? I don't know. And so after Love from, Love from A to Z came out and I read it and I was like, oh, there's a blueprint. But I had already finished writing the book. And so I took a lot of inspiration from Jane Austen, who is like probably, you know, you know, Jane Bint Austen, as yes. the family would say. I'm like, maybe she's also Muslim. I don't know. Sister Jane. Sister Jane, exactly. <laughs> and so this is what I wanted to be. And I was so happy with the results that I was able to write something that a lot of my friends went through, you know, mm. with their own had a love story. That's something you don't really see very much. Yeah. And it showed that it's, it's, it's a beautiful kind of love. Mm. You know, for me, that's what I really, that's what I'd love to read more about in books. And it represents the hope also within the story that these quiet moments that Salam and Kinan share, you know, amplify the loud moments, but at the same time make those small moments and quiet moments between them so much more precious. Mm. And I really want Muslim kids to see this halal love story in books because we never grew up on it. Mm. So I want to give them what we didn't have to see that you shouldn't be ashamed of your religion or where you come from or your culture because it is beautiful. Again, mm. there's there's all types of love mm. and ours is also beautiful. Mm. Tell me what kind of like goes through your, your mind, you know, when you see your readers mm. holding your book. And then, you know, they go, oh, this is amazing. You know, what do you feel? I feel so humbled. Honestly, this book went through so many rejections. 
uh, when I first started querying it, I got about 50 rejections from agents. And I'm like, you know what? This is not going anywhere. It's okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't care. And then started picking up. And people, one person said yes, then yes, yes, yes. And then a lot of people said yes. And then they started reading it. So it always makes me remember that a person said no, but this person said yes. And that made it worth it. Like these mm. five years that I spent, you know, not not even thinking that it's going to happen, finally happened. And so I'm always grateful for every single person who read it and mm. who loved it and gave Salam and Kinan Leila a home in their heart. I mean, that's just, that's amazing. Mm. Like, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of like the future, mm -hmm. um, what are your further kind of like plans? Are you writing your next book now mm -hmm. or are you creating at the moment? So um, I'm going to begin my master thesis this month. Um, hopefully, and then I'll be done with my master's, um, but sure. with my, inshallah. Mm -hmm. And then with my second book, I just handed it in to my editors wow. two, three weeks ago. And it's the other side of the coin to lemon trees. Mm -hmm. And so it deals about what happens when you reach land or safety. Mm -hmm. Are you really safe? And so it's a double, I, I mean, I can say a couple of things that mm -hmm. it's a double um, POV, a first generation immigrant and a refugee who will meet at a high school in a fictionalized town in Washington because I love the ocean and the ocean plays a very big role in the story. And so it deals with racism, identity, and that sting of loneliness that mm -hmm. comes from being a diaspora child mm -hmm. that, yeah. you know, I, I wrote it for every person who felt lonely, mm -hmm. you know, in their own, in, in school or in, in their community, that they, that sense of the wanting to be with people like you. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's always hope. And yes, yes, it has had a love story and it's so cute. Like in a conclusion, it is a healing story. And it was very cathartic to write as well. And I cried as well. What would your tips be for young Muslim writers? Write from your heart, you know, it's just, I was very worried that because my book doesn't fit very well into what you see with mm -hmm. Muslim stories. And I was afraid that because of it being different that it wouldn't get picked up, but alhamdulillah it did. And so I'm very happy that I wrote Muslims who are not apologetic, mm -hmm. who faith is just a part of them. You know, Islam yes. is not the issue. It's not the villain that we have to defeat. Mm -hmm. And it, it never should be. And so I also want Muslim readers to write about what they see in their community. Yes, we have some sad stuff that are happening, some bad stuff, mm -hmm. but there's also the good. And nuance is always key when writing our stories. For any marginalized author, nuance is always the key because people are layered. Mm -hmm. You know, within the same family, you have like different kind of people within mm -hmm. the community. Can you imagine how many different people there are? So don't be scared to write your own stories because somewhere out there, there's a Muslim good who, who wants it as well. Inshallah. Thank you so much Thank again you. for your time and I look forward to reading your next Thank one. you so much. Thank you. <laughs>